podcast i'm joe and that is nick that is me nick the co-host that's right wearing an eye patch yeah because we're going down south shit gets weird let's do this you a mexican pirate i'll take anybody's booty (laughs) how are you doing with your awful awful army schedule terrible i (laughs) fucking hate it (laughs) but i make the best of it sham be best exactly um I actually just had to brave the horrible fucking traffic at the SeaTac airport. Um, and it's terrible. It's So they made an airport its own city. It's not Seattle. It's not Tacoma. It's SeaTac. Um, but they managed to encompass all the horrible parts of both places and just stuff it full of lost travelers and meth heads. Well, it's like LAX if you've ever been to, like flown into LAX. Yeah, and I've smelled it too. Yeah, it's fucking terrible. Yeah. It's literally its own city. It is fucking huge. Huge. But we could bitch about travel all fucking day long because we both do it entirely too much. Um, But a a lot of people got this right fucking way on Twitter when I put the hint up, and I guess that's my own fault because I made it kind of obvious. We were talking about the second French intervention in Mexico, and that is why we are celebrating by drinking wine Straight from the bottle, and I'm still wearing my Capi Blanc because now I have an excuse to do it. And there's no Frencher wine than Two Buck Chuck. So, here we are. It's not bad, too, for Two Bucks. No, Two Buck Chuck, man. It's pretty good for... Yeah, it is. You just have to, like, swallow your pride and go to Trader Joe's to buy it. Because it's the only (laughs) place that sells it. I don't step foot in Trader Joe's. I normally don't either, but I have my needs, alright? So, we we picked this one. One, because it's kind of fucking hilarious and also nobody knows about it like a lot of people have heard about like individual events that happened during the war or during the intervention as the french call it Um, but nobody actually knows exactly what it is or they just don't fucking care because we're i'm assuming a primarily american podcast and most people's knowledge of the history or any reality of what happens below our southern borders is pretty fucking shallow it is. Yeah. I mean, Nick's Mexican doesn't even speak Spanish. So That's right. That. <laughs> I should, which is why my family is probably ashamed. <laughs> I am ashamed of my family. Not like that, but close enough, because literally most of my siblings know Spanish but me. But you never learned it. I tried. I got a C in Spanish probably because my teacher felt sorry for me. You know, and that's funny because on both sides of this fence, we fail because um, I've talked about it before and it's why I bought the Kepi is uh, my grandpa was a, was a legionnaire and was uh, French by spilt blood as their laws go and spoke very fluent French. And, um, well, I, he spoke as fluent French as you can, as any fucking hoodlum Armenian immigrant could and with a legionnaire education. Um and I took two fucking years of it and passed. And literally the only reason why I can pronounce the things that I pronounce in this podcast is because I watch, or I, sorry, I listen to a lot of the Revolutions podcast and the Age of Napoleon podcast. Well, I know how to order really good Mexican food because of my family. That's true. Those tacos are delicious. Yes. Except the time I puked them everywhere. But that's that a story. That's a story for a Don't different blame time. Don't fucking tacos. A story for a different time. Um... So, France, as you can tell from the title of uh, this episode, the second French intervention, has a bit of a history. We're not going to go too much into the first intervention, um, except that it was kind of like adorably named the Pastry War, because it's a French war. Of course, it's the Pastry War. And, like, I'm pretty sure it's a show on the Food Network. I think so, yeah. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) I, I assume it's actually, like... One chef, I watch a lot of the Food Network, so it's like the one annoying French pastry chef from like the Cupcake Wars, 
and then the the one Mexican chef from Cutthroat Kitchen just constantly bitch slapping each other, and that is the pastry war. That's a fact. You can read it in your history book. I guess versus fun. <laughs> anyway, Mexico had just got done fighting what is known as the War of Reform or the War of Reformation. Um, it pitched the liberals, led by President Benito Juarez, against the old-school conservatives that made up the aristocracy, the pious Catholics, and other economic elites. Um, pretty much what it boiled down to uh, is Juarez wanted liberal reform reforms, while the conservatives wanted a government based staunchly in Catholicism and one that benefited them, the rich land-holding bourgeoisie motherfuckers. Right. Um, during the fighting, both sides secured massive loans with obscene interest from European powers. European powers, kind of like they do all the time, were hedging their bets and playing a proxy war and arming and giving money to both sides with the full intent of collecting that debt when the war ends with, from whoever won. Um, the loans all but assured whoever won would not be able to actually pay them back. Right, wherever they thought Mexico had the money. Yeah. Never fucking seen Mexico. Yeah, and I mean, they had some funds, but not in the way that we're ever going to pay it back. But that was the point. They wanted to create some kind of like a debt slave or a colony a without actually, state. yeah, without actually having to put in the hard work of doing right. it. Um, well, when Juarez liberals won the war, they were broke and surrounded by, you know, a war-torn, devastated country. Uh, Juarez, acting what he thought was his best interests, um, in his war-weary populace that was, you know, pretty broke and just sick of it all, proclaimed a moratorium on all foreign debts in 1861. As you can tell, this did not go over well with the powers in the European mainland, or anybody else had a stake in the area. As some, I would, some studies would say the imperialists did not like. That's not some studies. That's just historical fact. That's right. <laughs> let, let me check my notes here. I'm reading from one eye. That's correct. He is. Um, God damn those. Wait, let me squint at my paperwork here. <laughs> Western European capitalist imperials? They've never caused a problem in their lives. Um, yeah, they didn't take it very well. And a no, move that should surprise absolutely no one, the UK, France, and Spain, all teamed up to try to get that fucking money. Can I get some from your wine? You can. Sweet. Um, so they didn't really want to put in a lot of work. They weren't planning a ground invasion here. Um, they weren't like going to storm any beaches. Their plan was to pretty much kind of do what the U S did with Commodore Perry in Japan. Um, just show up like, look, all the guns we got. This isn't the one you want. Look at all these sweet blue uniforms. Yeah. Give us our fucking money or we're going to have issues. Open up your ports for trade. And by trade, I mean, gross imbalances of trade that will only benefit us the pale skins right um <laughs> and uh so yeah they they sent their fleet out their whole plan was to invade veracruz and seize its custom house it's the only thing they wanted um i'm not sure exactly how much that was worth but apparently it was enough for the three major european powers to all decide that was what they wanted um what yeah, and there's no way he's going to pay back their debts, but I'm also willing to bet the debts that they were trying to repay, um, they weren't actually worth what they what they claimed they were to the Mexicans. They just wanted to bleed them dry. Right. It was like the really shitty kid on the playground in a cartoon holding you up by your fucking ankle and just shaking you out for your fucking lunch money. <clears throat> Unfortunately... Because you were the kid that had to get his fucking sh his head shaved because he had lice and nobody wanted to play with him, so they just picked on him all day. Struck a nerve there? Maybe! <laughs> well, Fuck! That, that fucking kid, kind of like, you know, when they showed up to, like, grab by the ankle and shake, it was the same thing, like, when I got bullied, or the only thing that came out was, like, one of those tickets for the reduced lunch. <laughs> <laughs> so... I had that. <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's what everybody thought their plan was. The French actually had an ulterior motive outside their normal capitalist colonialism, imperialism type bullshit. Um, they didn't tell anybody about it. Um, back in 1852, Napoleon III, the nephew of the first Napoleon, you know, the good one, had declared himself Emperor of, of France and the rebirth of the French Empire. Um, prior to that, he had actually been elected president by popular vote, as popular as it is in the day. We're not going to go into how incredibly stilted their 
election system actually was for that. I actually highly recommend you listen to the Revolutions podcast, which is far better than ours. Um, but he was elected by popular vote and was the youngest uh, democratically elected head of the state all the way up until 2017 with the election of Emmanuel Macron. Uh, so it was a pretty big deal. Obviously, um, he was riding on Napoleon's wave because even though obviously Napoleon Bonaparte's campaigns didn't exactly end in wonderful success, it was a... Um, uh, people were looking back at their golden memories of you know, remembering French prestige, which at the time they didn't exactly have. Right. Um, his main goal is to reassert French influence in Europe um, and everywhere else expand territorial powers, expand the sphere of influence, pretty much bring them back to the glory days. They're just trying to make France great again. <laughs> um, he, he was, so far he had a pretty decent track record. Uh, he had joined with the UK and defeated Russia in the Crimean War. He assisted in the Italian unif uh, reunification, uh, which we touched briefly on in our very first yeah. episode with uh, Luigi Cadorna's shitty grandfather. He annexed the county of Nice and Savoy, and he doubled France's overseas empire. And Mexico, fresh out of a devastating civil war and completely broke, probably looked like a pretty easy target. And you can imagine at the time where this colony would uh, would have been, you know, not only worth money. Um, for their coffers to probably fuel whatever stupid European war they were going to get in, which they did get in later on, right. um, it would have given them a front door right to the United States. Right. And at this time, the timing was perfect. Yeah. As the U.S. was in their civil war. Yep. So they had no time to fucking deal with the south of the border. They had their own border wars going on. And Napoleon actually waved all this away with a stupid philosophical argument. Um he explained his shitty colonialism by uh, explaining that Latin America, quote-unquote, a term that he actually coined for this purpose, um, were all joined together because their language were, languages were all descended from Latin, um, and they were mostly Catholic. Um, Napoleon wanted to join this Latin America together under his throne as a bulwark against Anglo-Saxon Britain and America. Of course, the Spanish and English didn't know about any part of that yet. Um, they definitely wouldn't have helped, even though they had allied to kick Russia in the dick in Crimea. They were, there was no way they were all going to join forces to expand one of their colonial powers. They just weren't going to do it. It was against the international relation of realism theory at the time where, you know, they're all great powers and they're all eventually going to butt heads. So we're definitely not going to help. Um, so with that, the allied navies appeared off the coast of Veracruz between December 8th and December 15th, with the target city of Veracruz surrendering immediately to the Spanish on the 17th. Um, so at this point, their fleets are just floating around, taking coastal cities, kind of like floating from one to the other. Right. Um, the Mexicans had no na real navy to speak no. of, or no coastal batteries or guns. I mean, this civil war they just fought was what you would imagine a massive peasant war was, even though they had you know, political differences, those elites weren't fighting. You know, they, right. it was giant peasant armies with shitty muskets. They didn't have the guns necessary to chase off a massive European flotilla. Left the country in shamble and divided. Yep. Um, the few boats that the Mexicans did call a Navy stood no real chance to go out and stand up and fight them, um, which is exactly why the European allies planned it this way. Uh, they, they knew if they landed as a giant army, you know, shitty army or not, Mexicans were going to show up and fight them. It was right. probably going to happen. Um, it was a low-risk, high-reward plan. Go shake down the small guy. Uh, their plan is going off without a hitch, and soon the inbred Marduckis of Europe would be happy as their debts are paid off, and they would also still have a footprint in North America. Um, I mean, they wanted to assert that influence over the U.S. at the time. The U.S. is weak and split. Uh, it's perfect for all three of them. Right. E even if none of their armies are going to go storming across the border, because obviously they weren't, they could pick and choose and, and push influence on one. I mean... It was just the idea of being, in my opinion, that close yeah. to the U.S. at the time. And like I said, it was perfect timing for them. And it's exactly the same shit we do now. They saw, oh, yeah. they saw a nation that could be played. And um, that's exactly what they're trying to do. I mean, the Spanish and the English had advisors in the Confederate Army. But they never recognized the Confederate States of America. No, they were shit. Yeah, they were just kind of like hedging their bets against who might win. 
and you know they're playing imperialism. I feel like, yeah, it was a back fucking alley dice game between all the imperialists. Like, let's see who's gonna fucking win. That's what all European imperialism always was, except it was like that. But as the game went on and the mar- monarchies survived and and grew older. The people that were playing the dice game got like severe fucking cases of CTE as their bloodlines got interwound and inbred. <laughs> and then soon you had a, someone like fucking Charles of Spain who's too fucking stupid to chew his own food. The South would have been fucking <laughs> perfect for him. He probably I, would have been elected president. He was I, just inbred enough. <laughs> um, well, so the, all these dominoes had fallen. All of them. Um, the Allies had Mexico right where they wanted, and Juarez, President Juarez, not the city of Juarez, that might get confusing, um, could do nothing about it. And then Napoleon III, as he wanted to do, had to go fuck it up. In 1862, a French army under Comte de Lorence landed, and the Spanish and English realizes that the French weren't there just to collect debts. Right. Like, wait, like, wait. We didn't talk anything about an invasion no, or, or troops. Force. Which, which means, like, this whole time they've just been floating around out there, the French had an army loaded up in their boats and just didn't fucking tell anybody. Because you know, the transit time, they're not going to... Uh, the transit time to send orders back and then to send orders back to the flotilla, it would have been way longer. Oh, yeah. So this whole fucking army under Comte de Lorenz has just been sitting there. Just imagine how shitty that must have been. Where you, like, your quarters had to be so bad in this floating factory of like disease and you know whatever awful shit you get from living in a moldy wooden box for a long period of time i know yeah (laughs) (laughs) about that (laughs) so um they realized that this isn't what they signed up for um they took their ships and fucked right back off to the mainland leaving france uh standing in mexico all by itself um but this is where my personal favorite part of the entire battle we'll talk about. Um, well, did you want to talk about the Battle of Pueblo, right? The Siege of Pueblo? One thing I wanted to talk about with the Pebble, well, Puebla, Pueblo, however you want to say it. Granted, I'm pretty I'm sure not I'm the pr- best. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it correctly because I'm the better Mexican here. You probably are. <laughs> in all honesty, my grandma would probably agree with you. I do eat a lot more than you. True. It's a strength that I have. Just not tacos. You can't hold them down. I tried. I'm not sure if it was all the taco vomit or the the gallons of booze that we drank. Anyway, uh, you can talk about the Battle of Puebla. Pueblo. Whatever. I think it's Puebla. But, anyway. So, the Battle of Puebla was... I think it was so... It was a great victory. Why why was uh, Pueblo uh, targeted? Like, what was the importance of it? Well, at the time, French, they landed through south, and they're going up north, basically sweeping through all of Mexico. And Puebla stood as a, basically a fortress defense that Mexico had. And then they actually could, uh, it was like built up enough where they thought they could stand up to the French army. Which they did for a good year. It delayed the French one whole year, which was plenty of time. We'll later get into that why it was plenty of time later. And we still celebrate it to this day as Cinco de Mayo, happy birthday. I say that as a joke because... Everybody in America thinks it's Mexican Independence Day. Much. Yeah. Um, but one year later, Mexico loses at the Battle of Puebla to Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a thought that counts. Exactly. But it delayed it just enough. So that's all I wanted to talk about. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Taco Tuesdays are the shit. Tequila. You say that as you're drinking wine from a sippy cup. Um, and, you know, like, the Battle of Pueblo is important to the whole war because it showed that one of the main reasons why the French failed, and obviously we're talking about this because the French failed, and we're not talking about that empire to our south today because the French failed, um, is because they underestimated their enemies. Which is right. you know, super common among colonial powers, where they think of the people with slightly tinged different skin as being subhuman and stupid, and they can't possibly you know mount a successful siege defense, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, just because they have a nice fucking tan 
Yeah. They can't put on a good defense. Because they got round hats and dark skin. They cannot possibly use Western military tactics against us, which is fucking stupid because half of Juarez's as officers had studied in the United States and the other half had studied in the great fucking Britain. So, yeah. I didn't know they had to go to... They, they, they all did. the fucking pond? Well, it was some kind of weird exchange program. That's why you get people, um, the colonels and the captains later on, who the soon-to-be sovereign of the second uh, Mexican Empire picks them because... His entire cabinet is French. His entire government is French. He's fucking Austrian. The only thing he does is um, circle himself around Eurocentric people because they're superior in th- in their opinions. Mm. You know the the uh, th- that's the whole idea behind colonialism. We have to take charge of you because you can clearly not take care of yourselves. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, it's the master superior ratio without the swastikas. Um, uh, you get that today when you try to have any kind of international relation talk about the continent of Africa or South America where they just can't take care of themselves because they're, they're different than us. Um, when that's clearly a racist argument that makes no fucking sense, but uh, you know, they put it into real real world application back then. And then as soon as the natives collapsed, they were exploited and destroyed until, you know, the colonial superpower got bored and left, or there was some war of independence that lasted 15 fucking years in some places, and yeah. they got chased off. Um, but the Battle of Pueblo actually leads in um, to the battle I'm going to talk about, and the battle I'm going to talk about is the one that you all guessed on Twitter, or if you're the one of the few people that listen to our podcast is not connected to one of us somehow on the internet, then good, it hasn't been ruined for you. Um, so the most well-known battle of the war, outside of... Cinco de Mayo, which, like I said, isn't doesn't technically count. Happy big, birthday! Because stupid fucking gringos think it's Independence Day. Exactly. Um, but it's also really fun when people always celebrate Cinco de Mayo and know nothing about it. I think it's more fun when the same people who celebrate Cinco de Mayo hate fucking Mexicans. It's just an <laughs> excuse to drink. Yeah, you don't need That's... it. You don't need an excuse to drink. <laughs> but I say that as someone who drinks a lot, so you know whatever. No, um, and you know what? The army does the same thing. Yeah, it's, it's the day that ends and why. Get fucked up. Uh, so, this battle began and ended, and for probably the first time ever in the history of this podcast, the most historical battle will begin and, and end in the same day, on April 30th, 1863, when a detachment of 65 French foreign legionnaires was sent to guard a convoy that was en route from, holy shit, I'm going to butcher this, Chiquahuit? <laughs> to Palo Verde. Say well, that again? I'm not going to say that again. Please. No, I refuse. It's uh, Chiquita with some spice at the end. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the legion- what would you like to eat, sir? What was that? Uh, I'll have the fajitas. Um, <laughs> when the legionnaires sat down for their morning coffee, instead of chilling out, having a cigarette, having a cup of coffee, whatever, they saw 250 Mexican cavalry. Captain John Donjot the commander of the Legionnaire Detachment, and holder of a sweet self-made one hand that replaced his real one that had been blown off in a previous battle. Uh, he knew that he had to get his men behind something they could defend. Um, which, this nowadays, when we hear the story, we'll say, well, of course, they're Legionnaires. That is what they would do. Right. You know, they fight to the death. You know, Legion Paranostra, they're not going to surrender. Uh, but that wasn't the case at the time. At the time, the Legionnaires did not have this aura around them of no surrender, um, never quit attitude. They were effectively criminals and rejects that were commanded by French officers. That was it. Um, Other conscripts and levies from along the way. Most important part was they weren't French, with the exception of their leadership. Right. Because, obviously, to the French military command, the only people who could command an army were Frenchmen. Um, so it's, it's kind of like a suspension of the time when you have to remember that these guys did not have that historical spree to core to build off of that you know of today, or like Marines, for instance, know today, or the army knows today where like, we're constantly told you never quit, you never surrender. Right. That did not fucking exist. No. This is at a time of war where it was gentlemanly, you surrendered, rules were followed, you kept your saber, 
and then you just wait it out till the end of the war or someone ransomed you. Um, so keep that in the back of your mind as we talk about this. Um, so Captain Danjou ordered his men until a Trinidad... Fuck, I'm going to mess this up again. Do it. Hacienda is La Trinidad Hacienda, into the town of Camarone, which had about 10-foot walls on 50 meters all around it. So it was a small, like, hotel bed-and-breakfast right. slash fortress. Right. <laughs> if you had cavalry attacking you while you're trying to do your B&B, you want to do it at La Trinidad. It's a place to go. <laughs> um, the Mexicans now knew they weren't going anywhere, which is the downside of this. They had them trapped. Now, the craziest part of this whole fucking thing is... That's what Donjo wanted. Donjo's mission was to protect the convoy, not necessarily to survive. No. Um, the Mexicans, knowing they weren't going anywhere, sent in a squadron of dragoons and four infantry battalions to reinforce that original 250 cavalry. Um, but that's what Donjo wanted to do. He wanted to be a distraction. He wanted to pull as many Mexicans towards him as possible. Did he know he was facing a small army? No, probably not. But still, that was his original plan. Is like, haha! Now we have them exactly where we want them. He was uh, fucking confused by the Mexican heat. No, this is exactly what the honorable Captain John Joe wanted. Didn't see out there and see. Oh, there's a lot of brown people. They blend into the dirt. Race it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it. Could that be historical revisionism? Absolutely. Could the real story be that Captain Donjo fucked up and got his all men bunkered up in a goddamn hotel? Absolutely. Sure. Because <laughs> sure. when I was reading this, I was like, this guy got all of his guys killed. But the Kepi Blanc on my head says this is exactly what he wanted, and he got him right where he wanted. Right, you have the pride with you. That's right. Even though my grandpa was an asshole, which makes a whole lot more sense. Um, so the battle started. Wave after wave of Mexican infantry attacked the hacienda, and were dropped um, by the legionnaires that were hiding inside of it. Um, now, you have to think, each legionnaire here is going to have to kill like 50 people to escape this right. alive. It's not going to happen. And this bed and breakfast is not getting a good Yelp review. And I mean, fucking all. And it, it, I don't know, the French would probably get a pretty solid one. At the time, though. <laughs> at the time, though, this is fucking horseshit. You know, the Rancho Huevos uh, were delicious, but the wave of... What? <laughs> but the waves of Mexican infantry... Could do without. Too much lead in the air. <laughs> Too uh, many brown people to be. I would like this establishment if it was more like myself. There's too many thugs here. <laughs> that would be the white Yelp review. They wouldn't say Mexican. They wouldn't say black. they say thugs. Or the music was too loud. The food was too spicy. Uh, yes. Uh, so, I don't know how exactly this battle played out. Um, I'm assuming... Classically trained Mexican infantry were marching in a line formation and got chased off by the volleys. I personally would like to think that it was like a really bad uh, Steven Seagal movie and they sent like one Mexican at a time as he got that knocked out. Fucking awesome. The next Mexican went up and then instead of shooting him, the legionnaires did like a sweet wrist lock and snapped his neck. No, I would love to see a slick haired fucking legionnaire with a ponytail fucking up Mexicans with wrist locks and. Uh, was it Jeet Kundo that he used? That was. Bruce Lee. That's Jeet Kundo? Yeah. What did, uh... Steven Seagal uh, is... Fuck. It's not Krav, no. No. Krav Maga is Israeli. I know. I'm trying to go through my <laughs> list of fucking martial arts here. It's not judo. It's, no, it's not. It's a stupid... Uh, it's Aikido. It's Aikido. Yeah, Aikido. Aikido. Fucking connection. <laughs> anyway. Um... So Donjo eventually realized they were fucked. Um, they weren't going to get out. They were surrounded, which once again, it should be pointed out, that was his plan. Um, I guess he didn't realize how bad his plan was until he looked around and saw he just definitely wasn't making out of this one. Um, so instead of doing the normal thing at the time, dropping your weapons and surrendering and getting ransomed off. Gentleman-like. Yeah, like a normal gentleman officer would have. And he was. He went to Ecole Militaire. I mean, he was a French normal captain. Right. Um, instead, he urges men to take oaths, never to surrender, and to instead fight to the death. Um, and they took this oath on his fucking hand. They swore on his dead wooden hand. 
that they would never surrender. I wonder if they're wondering, like, is there a stub under there? How is he holding on? What? What is there? Gears mechanism? Gorilla glue doesn't exist yet. <laughs> What's? Or you know, there was like some whatever the French Foreign Legion version of a specialist back there. Like, man, why the fuck are we swearing on your gross ass hand? Like, I'll do it, but I'll complain about everything. <laughs> yes, I'm going to kneel. Um, and then to get his men ready for battle, they cracked bottles of wine and all got properly drunk, which is the least surprising thing that they've done so far. Exactly. And as we try to do now. That's fucking right. Um, I would assume he's getting fucked up on the Legionnaire version of Two Buck Chuck, which is the one franc Jacques. <sighs> yeah. I just thought of that. One franc <laughs> Sounds like it's terrible feet to be squishing grapes. Duh. Nasty so, Frenchman feet. Fucking trench foot. Uh, <laughs> so after a few hours... There's skin in my wine. <laughs> It's chunky. <laughs> uh, after a few hours, the Mexican captain, Ramon Lyon, Lane, whatever, approached the legionnaires to negotiate their surrender, as was normal at the time. He said, there's no point to this, and quote, you'll be needlessly slaughtered. Captain Danjo replied, we still have plenty of ammunition and shells. And shall continue to fight. That's right. I'm pretty sure he didn't. Hilly. Enough ammo? Uh, well, it depends. Enough is relative. Did he have enough as like a combat load for 65 legionnaires? Absolutely. Did he have enough ammo to fight off half the Mexican army? That's where nope. I was going. Awesome. <laughs> he, he sure did not. Yeah. Um, yeah, he refused the order to surrender. And the next attack on the house, Donzo was shot and killed. Um... He was shot in the chest, died shortly thereafter, and his body was drug away and protected by the rest of the legionnaires. A second offer of surrender was greeted with a legion sergeant screaming only one word, MIERDE, which is French for death. I mean, it's, it's, it's cool at the time, but, like, I would assume, like, go fuck yourself. Get fucked! Yeah, get <laughs> fucked. Or well, suck my dick. Uh, just scream death, and, like, the Mexicans are like, all right, <laughs> I guess if you're offering. I'm sure they're probably like doing the fucking counting thing where they're like, nah, dude, we fucking got you beat. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, the Mexicans have a history of having lots of numbers and losing anyway, but that's a different story entirely. Um, so over the course of the next 10 hours, the legionnaires fought on until they were completely out of ammo. If you were thinking that's when they surrendered, you'd also be wrong. They also didn't have plenty of ammunition. But still continue to fight. No, it turns out, if you're crazy enough, you don't actually need ammo to fight. Um, so at, at that point, there was only five men left still able to fight. There's still a few wounded, like badly wounded to the point they can't stand up and throw rocks anymore. Um, so they mounted a fucking bayonet charge. They fixed baguettes. Yeah. Stale baguettes. Their glorious charge killed two of them outright. The other three were captured. When they were brought in front of the Mexican commander Milan, he reportedly exclaimed, where's the rest of you? And uh, when one legionnaire stated that this is all we have, he said, these are not men, they're demons. The legions were allowed to keep their weapons in honor, and Captain Don Joe's bitching wooden hand has become a re legion relic and is housed in their museum in Aubignon to this day. I'm really wondering if his hand was like from Tropic Thunder, how... Uh... The guy had the two fucking hooks for hands, but they were actually his real hands. I really want to know if those were... Now, he just you, had a real hand under there. If you look at the pictures, it's just an unmoving, frozen wooden hand. Like, so it could have not like been any fucking, use. Uh, Happy uh, Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Alligator took it. Yeah. <laughs> it's from Happy Gilmore, except he never had to rebuild it. Because yeah. apparently they made wooden hands much sturdier back in the day. Um, so Well, his looked like fucked up pottery... He made it himself. He only had one other hand to work with. Yeah, and I'm sure he could have done it with wood. That would have been way fucking better. It is wood! No, I'm talking about the motherfucker from Happy Gilmore. Oh, Chubbs? Yeah. Dude, you're speaking illy of the dead. Chubbs is dead. Uh, we always do, so... That's, that's fair. That's kind of our thing. Um, so anyway, French troops entered Mexico City in 1863, and President Juarez fled with the entire state treasury to Chihuahua, where he would lead a government in exile. And that's where my family is from. Really? Chihuahua. 
No shit. Mexico City and Chihuahua. All right. I did not know that. Now you do. I just figured they're from Los Angeles. That too. <laughs> so the Fr- French wrangled up enough Mexican officers who had worked for them and created the Superior Junta, a law body that doesn't really matter and I'm not going to talk about because then they quickly proclaimed the Catholic Empire of Mexico, officially the Second Mexican Empire. So who would be the glorious leader of the emperor of this this glorious emperor of Mexico to this, take the throne. Yeah, I mean, there's an empty throne. They have a, a country to unify. Surely, you don't mean like a real live Mexican, right? Don't be absurd. They can't no. possibly govern themselves. Instead, the crown is given to the younger brother of the Austrian emperor, a lily white motherfucker <laughs> named Ferdinand Maximilian Joseph, who ascended to his new throne as Maximilian the first on 10 April. 1864. I feel like picking that job was uh, like the paint department, paint schemes, the little paint cards you got. Are yeah. you pale enough to hold this throne? It's like when uh, in Family Guy and Peter got pulled over and the cop held up the race card. <laughs> the race so card. Like, it, it, you had to be just pale enough. And they happened to find the wor- one random inbred fucking royal who didn't have a job. Yeah. He's just that prince yeah. sitting around. You check out. Yeah. yeah yep. You're, you're up. Go check in with the refs. You're emperor now. Um, so the new empire of Mexico is recognized virtually overnight by every European power because this is the kind of shit that they did. Um, the U.S. refused, however. Um, they still recognized Juarez as legitimate president, which at this point his government was like a shitty donkey cart fleeing towards Chihuahua with like a handful of fucking followers. Um, That's all you need. Uh, but the U.S. was balls deep in the Civil War and couldn't do absolutely anything about it, and they could not enforce the Monroe Doctrine. The Monroe Doctrine, of course, saying, in retrospect, hey, everything that happens over here is our business, fuck off, um, is what it boils down to. Um, kind of something we do today, just with the whole world. Um, so, Imperial Mexican forces, which, so to point out who exactly made up these Imperial Mexicans, um, there wasn't suddenly like the entire Mexican army to scope, okay, you're in charge, now we'll follow you. It was all the conservatives who had just lost the War of Reformation. Right. Which is kind of funny uh, when you think the French said, this is the army that we need right here, even though they just lost. Um, but the conservatives wanted the uh, empire to be reestablished because they figured the empire would be more in their wheelhouse when it comes to their beliefs. Um, it be more conservative, as mostly monarchs are conservative. He's going to be very religious because it's Catholic. And at the time, Catholicism was... ISIS today. Uh, so, yeah, it still can be. <laughs> yeah. Um, so their forces made up of dissident conservatives who were still pissed about losing to President Juarez and their French allies really could not manage to either stamp out President Juarez's loyalists who are now at this point called Republicans or uh, Juarezistas. They could not stamp them out or even control their uh, realm of movement. Um, at no point did they ever hand this war in the bag. And that is pretty evident right away. Um, so, almost every town around the Rio fell. Almost immediately. In- including the entirety of Sinaloa and Chihuahua. This is going to become important. Because the U.S. forces, completely unable to support President Juarez in any like physical way, began flooding them with weapons, ammunition, and uniforms. Yeah. And it was really easy when they controlled the fucking Rio River, um, to the point that one historian actually says, the uh, Juarezistas just looked like the Union Army. <laughs> Here's a bunch of blue uniforms. Yeah, weren't Go even trying to hide the it. other blue uniforms. So to counter this, good old Emperor Max issued what was called the Black Decree. Hilarious, coming from someone as white as he is. Right. Um, so it ordered the immediate summary execution of any Mexican captured fighting his regime. Um, it is estimated that uh, over 11,000 of Juarez's supporters were executed under this law. And as you can imagine, like any other partisan or civil war type situation uh, where something like this happens, um, it did absolutely nothing to pacify the population. All it did is piss them off and swell the war east of ranks. Right. Um, but Max is a fucking smooth brain idiot, and did not think of this. Um, so 1866 rolled around, and the war was not going in anybody's favor. Uh, the French 
or losing, not controlling anything. It was becoming expensive, and the geopolitical situation in Europe had changed as long as as well as excuse me in North America because now the US Civil War is over right confederacy is dead in the ground where it belongs and the Americans were rightfully pissed about the French being on the southern border because they didn't see this as like a Mexican empire they just saw this as France like France parked their shit and is all in their sphere of influence that at no point did the United States ever consider emperor maximilian a legit sovereign Right. Um, so they just assume they're dealing with Napoleon the Third <laughs> the whole time. Um, so, and at this time, the French had a high desertion rate because they believed America would intervene around this time. Which well, America was pretty much saying they were. It, it, at, which they kind of did, giving all these supplies and even actually, veterans. they said that uh, raiders were raiding. Uh, uh, you are sorry. Uh, Union army depots and supplies were just vanishing, which is like the worst excuse ever. It's like the old uh, fell off the back of a truck, yeah. <laughs> except like hundreds of thousands of muskets. Right. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um. So U.S. foreign policy shifted from being against this puppet regime being to their south to. Th- outright threatening invasion to compel the French to leave. And at the time, this would have actually been a fucking awful move for the United States. The United States military is absolutely not ready to fight a European power, and the French military was leagues above their head. But the uh, foreign secretary was kind of like smart enough to realize, like, fuck, we do not want to fight the United States. This is not what we want. And so he told Napoleon III, you know, Franco-American relations is more important than your buddy Maximilian. Right. Um, And that is pretty much what happened. Um, Eventually, seeing their weak point, the U.S. actually deployed forces to the southern border to kind of like force their hand. Right. Um, Again, it's like a dick measuring competition, but you only got balls. Right, because they... So this is also around the time that the few loyalists that Emperor Max had bailed on him. The conservatives abandoned the empire, effectively. His forces melted away. Right. Um, they assumed that their new Catholic emperor would be as uptight as they were. But they were completely wrong. Maximilian wasn't even that devout of a Catholic. And he actually kept all of the laws of reform, also known as the things the conservatives and the liberals just fought a fucking civil war over. He kept them all in place because he actually agreed with them. Um, Can you imagine looking over this is good. Good to go. Yeah, it turns out you brown folks actually got this shit yeah. done pretty well. Hmm. You're one of the... I only got this just because of the shade of my skin. That that Benito was one of the good ones. This milk is spicy. <laughs> but he is all around. <laughs> but he is I'll have two, two steak fajitas. It's not a Mexican dish <laughs> at all. Just uh, so everybody knows. Thank you. It's not? No, it's not. I, I mean, honestly, I figured you have tortillas. You have a meat pile. You got a, you got a meal. In a sense, yes. <laughs> but it's... F- fajitas are you, not... You almost a, said fajitas. I almost did. <laughs> so fajitas are not a Mexican meal. It, it's just not. It's an American thing. Next, you're going to tell me General Tso's chicken is in Chinese. Please. This is why you guys weren't allowed to govern yourselves. Moving on. No, that's because of the color of our skin. Not because of the way we eat. The way we eat would be fucking great. Because I love it. That's why we always go to, the, we go to a drive through taco place attached to a gas station. So clearly culture is the highest thing of our menu. Um, so the, the, you know, the, em- the, the emperor actually lost all of his backing in the form of the monarchists. I mean, they didn't run off and join the waristas. But they didn't want to back their boy Max anymore either. So the army was gone. And this is where suddenly the Emperor's army swells through the ranks that you would not see anywhere else have a really weird alt-history video game that's like only available as a bundle when you buy the Turner Diaries. So thousands of Confederate veterans flooded south into the Empire of Mexico. And there's a good 
reason for this. Um, during the Civil War, the Confederates, President uh, Jefferson Davis, heavily pushed Emperor Maximilian for an alliance. And this wasn't because of Maximilian's strength. Davis is smart enough to know to realize that if I become friends with this shitty empire to our south, the French will recognize us. Well, for all of Napoleon III's weaknesses, that he realized the Confederates were not going to make it. They weren't going to. They weren't going to survive this war. Or he just wasn't really interested in pissing off the Union. Either way, he said no. But Emperor Maximilian instead invited any Confederate that still had legs attached to come move to Mexico and set up <laughs> fucking these little settler villages. Um, because he was effectively trying to boost the number of white people. Because they knew that he knew they would support him. Uh, he was the only other white guy there and he was in charge. Yeah. Do you guys want to come shoot? Like, minorities and shit? It's like somebody set up a bat signal for shitty racists. <laughs> I hope they did the whole Batman disappear thing on Maximilian 2 and went on to go fight the minorities. Well, they got really upset when they realized they moved south and realized they had no more cousins to fuck because they were all up north still. <laughs> My cousins. <laughs> Her nephew's son said it was cool, so we fuck. It was around the same time that Napoleon himself said, you know what, guys, I fucked up. And he packed all of his French soldiers into ships, and he abandoned his fake empire of Mexico. Um, now, he wasn't uh, that big of an asshole. He actually told Emperor Maximilian to get on the ships, too. He's like, dude, it's dying. Get out. You're not Mexican. You need to leave. <laughs> Please, uh... Go ahead and look at the color schemes that we got from yeah. Home Depot and Lowe's. Uh, please, uh, if you could look at the color schemes that we use to pick you, you will yeah. see, uh, sir, that you are not one of them. It's we watch HGTV. Yeah. Uh, Mexicans are going for this open concept, and uh, you don't quite fit in with yeah. the whole open concept. A, a Catholic also white drink. person is about as closed concept as it gets. Also drink. Yeah. Uh, so... Imperial Mexican forces, even with direct French assistance, um, could hardly keep the Juaristas from slowly gaining ground. Um, but without the aid of thousands and thousands and thousands of French soldiers, they didn't stand a remote chance now. Um, Maximilian rejected Napoleon's offer of exile, which is not really an exile, it's just going back home. Right. Um, and said, no, I'm going to stand with my men. His cabinet, meaning his entire government, who was all French, not a single Mexican among them, did not hold the same loyalties. They jumped on those ships and fucked off back to the continent. Dude, you suck! And Maximilian did not reappoint a cabinet. He just tried to run a government of his own. Now, he wasn't a dumb guy. Like... And up until this point, well, I guess that's arguable because look where he is. Yeah, but no. up until this point, he was a very well-educated man who had succeeded in everything that he did. I think his only shitty part was listening to his brother, the Emperor of Austria. is like, bro, I got this idea for a franchise. <laughs> and he took it, and it ends up like, nope. Dude, we'll start this chain. It'll be fucking sweet. Yeah. Yeah. What's the chain? Toys R Us. Fuck. So, and <laughs> you got it. In 1867, the emperor decided that the war was going so badly, he couldn't trust his officers anymore. They they weren't doing what he want what he wanted them to do. They were coming up with their own battle plans, who are obviously inferior to his, the rich uppity white guy. Cuz yeah, I mean, all of his loyalists now are Mexican. All the French dudes saw the writing on the wall and fucking ran. And the only loyalists left are the people like not so conservative enough. They said he wasn't conservative enough, but also realized that if they surrendered, they would totally be murdered by the Waristas. Because you have to realize, the Waristas flipped that black decree on its head. Anytime a imperialist fell into their hands, they were also similarly executed. So these guys who clung to Maximilian weren't exactly clinging to him because, like, for the great victory or for the glory of the Imperium. Or anything. It was like, well, a saddle up to this fucking wagon. <laughs> we gotta ride it till it dies. Because 
end state in any way, they're not going to make it. No, they're not going to survive. It didn't last long at all. Yeah, they're probably hoping for some like last second white steed in the shape of Spain or England or some massive French army to come save them. Or I mean, this is the Austrian emperor's brother, right? And he hasn't lifted a fucking finger to help him at all. Probably didn't know anything about it because he's too busy getting fucking poon over in fucking Austria. Or like, he, maybe he was like a good big brother and he's like, I wouldn't work in Napoleon, he's kind of a fucking idiot. Because, I mean, fast forward a couple of years, these two sides are trying to kill each other. So, That's true. <laughs> like real so, bad. Also um, really cool, this was like a whole fucking gangbang of uh, different countries coming in for this battle, for this Mexican war. <clears throat> there were the Belgians who came in, which... Sent in uh, quite a bit of troops. Also, the Hungarians, Egyptians actually sent in troops, which is I had no fucking clue. What was the driving for it? Were, now were these like mercenaries or were these like standard formations from these nations? Because like now in you know, for instance, the American Revolution, you had Hessians that showed up, right? And they definitely weren't part of the German army because Germany didn't exist at the time. Um, they were just there for the fucking coin. Um, I assume this is the same. I honestly believe that as well. In and looking at how many died and how many troops they sent, it honestly looks like that. Yeah. And a lot of them died from disease. Cause let's see. Well, that was pretty common with war at the time. Um, you, many more people died from disease and you know, illness and just unsanitary. Well, we look at this like six thousand over six thousand French died. Right. Including well. Over four thousand of the six thousand died from disease. It's not that. That's that, a fucking shit ton. That's um, not that surprising when you think that you're taking all these lily white motherfuckers from the continent and dropping them in Mexico. I mean, France literally did this, but a hundred times worse a couple years before in Haiti during the Haitian Revolution, where uh, Napoleon, the good one, the petite caporal, <laughs> God rest his soul, sent thousands of Frenchmen to try to put down the, the revolution and they pretty much all died by disease without even having to fight anybody. Um, so this is kind of like a thing that they do. Right. They don't think like this is probably an inhospitable area for people that look like me. Um, right. And I totally agree with that, but it's still fucking insane. Yeah. And of that, I think a thousand, a little over a thousand, almost 2000, Deaths were from the French Foreign Legion. Yeah. Which is also insane, because usually you don't see that many deaths from the French Foreign Legion. Well, because there's not normally that many there's of usually, them. Yeah, exactly. So, Unless in a place like Indochina. And at this time, that actually kind of shows that the whole last stand of uh, Cameroon, the Battle of Cameroon, where he said, no surrender, fight to the end. Well, it's because they got the sword in a sweet wooden hand. <laughs> I would do the same as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I never got the chance to swear on any of my captain or my troop commander's wooden hands. Um, but I would probably totally do it. I mean, I've done dumber things probably. A sweet story. Yeah. Probably catch a Wikipedia page. For sure. Um, so, around this time, when the French government bailed on the emperor, uh, was around the same time that all of the foreign mercenaries bailed on him as well. They realized there was no money left in this. Right. This is a suicide mission. They they hauled ass back to the continent. They were losing a shit ton of guys were leaving. But, like I said, this is actually not so terrible when Emperor Max takes command of his armies. Um, when you look at some of the other sovereigns who decided, fuck y'all, I'm going to run my own ship. Um, like, this, like Tsar Nicholas is a good example. Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm actually tried to do that, but at, by that point of World War One, he actually had no power. Um, and a few other ones before then. Um, Tsar Nicholas is perfect. Yeah, oh, we're going to talk about him later. Oh, yes. um, but <clears throat> Emperor Max had spent the vast majority of his life before now being a military leader. He had gone to Ikel Military in St. Serre, like I said. Um, he commanded an entire core of the Austrian military. Now, here's the problem, though. The corps he commanded was the Navy, and the school he went to was a naval school. He was not commanding a Navy here. <laughs> they are 
out on his own. Yeah, he probably just assumed, well, fuck it. I spent 30 years of my life in military school. I should know how to run an army. I played battleships. Yeah. Is this... It's like the modern day equivalent of some asshole that you meet. Like, you know, I was going to join the military when I played Call of Duty. Like, it's not the same, man. Um, or the dude that you meet from the Navy who totally knows how to do room clearing, but he's not a SEAL. It's not true. Um, <laughs> so, um, he took command of this army and it was immediately folded on itself. It started getting beaten back. Uh, he couldn't manage it correctly and his officers probably too afraid of the Black Decree or too afraid to piss off the Emperor, just let him do it. Instead, they retreated back to the city of uh, Santiago de Quintero, and that city was immediately surrounded and put under siege. Um, pinned with his back against the wall, he, Max only had about 8,000 loyalists left. And um, you have to imagine how loyal or dumb or a, a mixture of the two of these dudes had to be, because they had stuck with him to the point that they were not going to escape the Black Decree themselves on the opposite side. But they knew they couldn't have surrendered before then, otherwise they wouldn't have been forgiven for it. Because, right. I mean, um, the Juaristas may have been a bit bloodthirsty, but Juarez himself was not. Um, at least not for the time. There's a good chance if they managed to surrender before the fucking last stand, they would have been given a pass. Um, no numbers are given for the amount of, um, of the loyalists that were murdered or executed, whatever you want to put it. By the Waristas. Um, but it's significantly less than what the Imperial forces did to them. So there's a much less of a systemic amount of violence. There was still definitely some executions, like any war from history. But it was they had a much better chance. So these dudes are really dumb, really loyal, or they've done some awful shit and they knew they weren't gonna get away with it. Right. Um, anyway, Max came up with this master fucking plan to break through the lines, make it back to Mexico City, where he had other forces stationed, and they'd be able to put up a better last stand. Um, because, as you can imagine, the capital had significantly more forces than 8,000 dudes. Um, right. Their plan immediately went to hell when one of Max's officers, a Colonel Miguel Lopez, betrayed him and opened the gates for Juarez's forces. Max and several of his generals were immediately captured and sentenced to death. By firing squad. It gets better. Max's wife, who had spent very little time in Mexico at all and spent the every waking moment since the French left, because she left with them back on the continent trying to get support for her husband's country. Um, I Drumming up support, getting funds, getting training, getting mercenaries, you name it. She was running around trying to do all that. She didn't succeed, but she was trying. Um, so... What she did succeed in doing was coming up with a plan to break him out of jail. Um, wasn't that hard. Uh, if there's one thing that like a cake in a file? Uh, even easier than that, it turns out. Because they're rich European Imperials, they're just going to fucking bribe everybody. But the whole plan fell on Maximilian shaving his beard. Because this isn't the 21st century. Maximilian is a fucking Facebook page. Most people haven't even fucking seen him. But some people have seen a passing painting of him where that shows the, the, the giant lily white dude with the fucking throne in Mexico with a giant beard. So, the plan pretty much comes down to it. Hey, if you shave your face, you'll probably be alright. No one's going to recognize you. You're not tagged in this photograph. They're not checking their <laughs> Instagram. He had it shaved and they passed by and he's... Is that Max Millian? Fuck! Kill that bitch! Yeah. You got too many goddamn Twitter followers. Um, but, Max refused to fucking shave it. He said he thought it would have been an affront to his dignity to shave his beard to fucking live. Because what fuck? you have to think, this isn't like the crack warista fucking dragoons here that are guarding him. Some fucking shitty dudes who couldn't even pull frontline duty and there was prison guards. They totally accepted the bribe. They already said they would. That's why she forwarded the plan to shave his beard and get him out of there. There's already a horse waiting for him to carry him back to a boat that was going to bring him back to the continent. All this was already laid down. Literally, all it required him to do was a fucking shave. He had this, they had this sweet fucking plan already good to go. All he had to do was fucking take a razor to his face, fucking show off some goddamn skin, 
You wouldn't do it. No. That's fucking insane. Yeah, something as simple as that. So? Even you shaved yours. I don't want to talk about it. It's an affront to my dignity. Um, <laughs> all of Europe sent angry telegrams to uh, what is now not necessarily officially the Republic of Mexico again, but pretty much um, to Mexico saying, don't execute him, uh, you know, free him, he's one of us, blah, 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 um, yada, 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 you know, please don't waste the imperialist. Juarez actually liked Max personally and did not want to execute him. Um, you really just want to put him back on a boat, kick him back to Europe, and forget this whole episode even happened. But because it was passed by a, uh, an actual judge, he didn't want to overturn the sentence. And he knew it was going to be a good message to anybody else who had colonial ideas on his country. Um, so, with his beard, and I assume his dignity intact, Max was brought out to the hillside of Ciro de la Capanias at about 0640 on 19 June 1867 to be executed. Oh, I can imagine the actual time of that formation. Yeah, they were already out there at like 2 o'clock getting their weapons. It was stupid. Weapons draw. He paid each member of his 21-person firing squad a gold coin not to shoot him in his face so his mother would be able to recognize his Leave corpse. sweet beard intact. Or, just like I assumed, to preserve that sweet, sweet beard. That's honestly what I did as well. He had a lot of fucking balls as he faced on this firing squad. I mean, he was not emperor of his country for long, and he had nothing to do with this country. He barely spoke Spanish. Um, with his parting words were, Quote, I forgive everyone, and I ask everyone to forgive me. May my blood, which is about to be shed, be for the good of the country. Viva la Mexico! Viva la Independencia! And then he was shot. After he was shot, he screamed out one word. Hombre! And then he died. <laughs> That's the fucking best word ever. So, like, this dude who was about to be fucking murdered... For independence. Like, he is, is the figurehead of not having independence. Like, him and, like, King Leopold of Belgium. And, uh, his last fucking parting words were, Long live the independence that is about to shoot me in my sweet bearded face. Um. It's almost like the Anchorman fight. Not for the face. Yeah, and they all, like, had a German agreement and then he got shot anyway. But, like, how fucking delusional or stupid are you? Like... May I forgive everyone. Forgive everyone for what? Taking back what's theirs? Yeah. Come on. So, his word of his death eventually got around, uh, back to Mexico City, and the city surrendered without a fight, and the Second Me Empire of Mexico ceased to exist. Um, his wife spent the rest of her life in seclusion, refusing to ever accept her shithead husband was dead. L moving from one castle to another in complete seclusion until she died 20 years later. I'm sure she was talking about this day, like, there's a fucking plan. All he had to do was shave his fucking beard. Yeah. Could have grown it back. It's like the most eternal honeydew list ever, except only has one bullet point, shave beard. So it's all, <laughs> all, all that's the thing to do. Bullet one, shave beard. Not an option. Crumple? I, I just, it, it blows my mind that, like, his parting message was like, I forgive you for what you're about to do. Like, motherfucker, we forgive you. Like, they brought all of this. This is a functioning country before you showed up. Like, it's, it is that white man's guilt type shit that only exists from, like, 1800s monarchs. It just fucking does not make any sense to me whatsoever. I'm on the home race thing. I, why, I mean, I understand he's probably going through, like, a shitload of trauma as, like, a torrent of musket balls tears his chest cavity apart. But, like, I imagine I would still at least scream out a swear word. Not, like, Ombre just mean, like, brother, right? Or man? Something like that. In all You're supposed to be our subject matter expert here. Am I? You're the only Mexican I know. That's really sad. <laughs> I'm sorry. You lived in Texas. But we live in Washington now. It's about as white as it gets up here. You lived in Texas for years. Let me rephrase that. You're the only Mexican I currently make a podcast with. Racist? No, affirmative action. There's one of each of us. True. It's just fair. I agree. 
I, I just hope one day when I inevitably land up against the wall and shot for my shit posting on Twitter, I scream out, HOMBRE! I hope you pick out something better than HOMBRE. Yeah, me too. Because I'm sure he was probably fucking flustered and didn't know what to say, and he was like, <laughs> HOMBRE! <laughs> flustered might be an understatement when he's lit up like fucking musket balls. Uh, I don't think so. so he had dignity. Yeah, so we're, we're recording this one a little early, but I'll still be out on Monday. I'm flying out to Vegas tomorrow to cultivate a fucking mean sunburn, and I won't be able to be here the rest of the week. Um, but huge thanks out to the fact that our subscriptions have blown up to over 200 now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we might possibly get a sponsorship out of it. I don't, I don't know if that's true or not. It's still up in the air, but it's looking good. Yeah, it, it blows my mind that there is... Literally almost two company sizes worth of people that subscribe to our podcast. And we're the only people that would make that analogy. It's a military history podcast. It's acceptable analogy. It's acceptable. And I even said company instead of troop because I understand I'm the only cavalry douchebag here. Um, but, like always, rate. Uh, rate us on iTunes. Rate us on whatever platform you use. It helps us immensely. Oh, yeah. Um, share whatever stupid history Things that we share on Twitter, if they if you find them funny or interesting, we'll try to share something to go along with this. There's not obviously uh, there's no YouTube videos that uh, show him getting shot in the chest and screaming "Ombre." Like I've been sharing tons of Chechen war stuff, but I'll find something interesting to show you. Um, you can find us on Twitter. I'm at uh, jcast99. He is at ncast. Nickcast M1. I'm going to remember that eventually. It's pretty close to yours, but. It's, it's weird because we didn't plan that. And you can follow the podcast at lions underscore by. Um, leave us angry messages or suggestions as some of you have done. And we and will we will get to them. Eventually. I might just <laughs> reply with the duck memes. Um, also to all of the soldiers in the 89th Military Police Brigade uh, that were impacted by the video that I posted later this week. It's kind of funny, and I'm, but I'm glad uh, that it helped. And a huge shout out to Forcecom General Abrams. He is the only leader I had in ten years of military service who actually cares about anybody involved. And uh, I hope it's a warm feeling. It's really nice. It's nice to know that six years after I'm out of the fucking army, somebody actually starts to care. <laughs> but this is where the time comes now, old man. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling old. Um, but yep, we'll see you next time and, uh, yep. See you then. Take it easy.